Almost two-thirds of Democratic voters say they don't want Joe Biden to run for president again. Hunter Biden's laptop keeps going back to haunt dad. And Democrats do not have any 2024 bench. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. Let me tell you about a great gift you can get for yourself or a parent, member of your family. This is like the best gift. You have a set of memories there in your mind, but they fade over time. And out in your garage, you have those memories, right? The photos, film reels. When's the last time you pulled that stuff out? The answer is probably never. And the reason is because a lot of that stuff is in a format you actually can't look at. It's on an old VHS tape, but you slip it in the VCR that you no longer have. This is why you need Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the simplest and safest way to digitize all of your aging videotapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, and pictures so they are preserved forever. Did you know that magnetic tape, like what's used in VHS and camcorder tapes, was only made to last 10 or 20 years? If that's stored in optimal conditions, that's how long it lasts. It ain't in optimal conditions. It's in your garage where the bugs are getting at it. This is why you need to digitize everything. Right now, Legacy Box is running a $9 tape sale. Regularly, that's 27 to 30 bucks. There's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. Inflation is soaring. Prices are going up everywhere except for Legacy Box. It's trusted by over 1 million families, including my own. It is easy and safe. Each kit includes everything you need to safely pack and send your recorded moments, including safety stickers for every single item. Relax knowing that your irreplaceable moments can be easily viewed, shared, or passed on for future generations. I've done this for my parents several times. Your memories are meant to be shared, not chewed up by the VCR or worn away with time. Convert your tapes to digital. Enjoy them for generations to come safely. For a limited time, you can get started for just nine bucks a tape. At that special price, there's never been a better time to move. Visit LegacyBox.com Shapiro to shop their $9 tape sale. That's LegacyBox.com Shapiro to unlock that exclusive offer. Well, yeah, I say it a lot, but it seems like the panic has to be setting in for Democrats at this point. And by the media coverage of Joe Biden, you can see that it has because all the media coverage of Joe Biden is, hey, did you notice he's old today? Yeah, we've known for a while. Did you notice that he has applesauce for brains? Yeah, we yes, actually. I know, I know this comes as a shock to members of the media. Some of us have been noticing this for quite a while about Joe Biden, that he is, in fact, a buffoon, that he was a buffoon even when he was sentient. Now he is a non-sentient buffoon. Well, the public opinion polls are showing that Joe Biden is now more unpopular than most forms of cancer, including rectal cancer. A New York Times poll shows that Joe Biden's approval has hit 33%. <laughs> okay, can I just explain how bad that is? So Donald Trump, the most unpopular president to ever have presidented. Donald Trump, during the January 6th event, was at like 35%. Donald Trump during Charlottesville was at like 35%. Joe Biden is at 33% and there ain't no floor. There's no floor for this guy. According to the New York Times, Joe Biden is facing an alarming level of doubt from inside his own party. 64% of Democratic voters say they want a new standard bearer in the 2024 presidential campaign. According to a New York Times Siena College poll, voters nationwide have soured on his leadership. They give him a meager 33% job approval rating. Only 13% of American voters said the nation was on the right track. The lowest point in Times polling since the depth of the financial crisis more than a decade ago. Okay, 13%. That means that 87% of Americans think the nation is not on the right track. Woo. I mean, it's hard to find that kind of unanimity in Castro's Cuba. 13% of Americans think that the nation is on the right track. Those are viciously brutal numbers for a president of the United States who has like a 3.6% unemployment rate. He's just that bad a president. Widespread concerns about the economy and inflation have helped turn the national mood decidedly dark, both on Biden and the trajectory of the nation. More than three quarters of registered voters see the United States moving in the wrong direction, a pervasive sense of pessimism that spans every corner of the country, every age range and racial group, cities, suburbs, rural areas, as well as both political parties. 
For Biden, that bleak national outlook has pushed his job approval rating to a perilously low point. Among fellow Democrats, his approval rating stands at just 70%. Okay, so to put this in perspective, if you are a president who wishes to win re-election, you need above 90% in your own party. You cannot have a 70% approval rating inside your own party because they're in your own party, man. Those are the people who are supposed to support you. In a sign of deep vulnerability and of unease about what is supposed to be his political base, only 26% of Democratic voters said the party should renominate him in 2024. So the percentage of Americans who are like thoroughly enthused about Joe Biden is 13%. Because you figure that that 26% of Democratic voters who think he should be renominated, that really equates to about the 13% of overall voters who think that everything is moving in the right direction. 13% of voters is like Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Hunter, and all of his illegitimate children. That's the entirety of the roll call. That doesn't even include his other grandkids. Biden says he wants to run for re-election in 2024. See, in order for that to happen, he has to be able to actually walk. In order to run, you have to be able to walk. Right now, according to the New York Times, he literally shuffles place to place and his aides are worried that he's going to trip over cords. Over cords, like my two-year-old. The backlash against Biden and desire to move in a new direction were particularly acute among younger voters. In the survey, 94% of Democrats under the age of 30 said they would prefer a different presidential nominee. I'm just going to come out and say it. I want younger blood, said Nicole Ferrier, a 38-year-old preschool teacher in East Tawas, a small town in northern Michigan. I'm tired of all the old people running our country. I don't want someone knocking on death's door. <laughs> that, that, that is about right. Ferrier is a Democrat who voted for Biden in 2020. She said she had hoped he might have been able to do more to heal the nation's divisions. Now, as a single mother, she is preoccupied with what she described as crippling increases in her cost of living. I went from living a comfortable lifestyle to I can't afford anything anymore, she said. Jobs in the economy were the most important problems facing the country, according to 20% of voters. Inflation and the cost of living, 15% were close behind. Only one in 10 voters named the state of American democracy. One in 10. And now remember, Democrats have said democracy is on the ballot. Fascism is around the corner. That's why you have to vote for us. One in 10 voters names this as a top issue. One in 10. And that is split between Republicans and Democrats. So really, you're talking like 7, 6% of voters actually believe that that's the top issue and are going to vote on that issue for the Democrat. About the same number, say gun policies. And as for abortion, abortion is ranking in at like five, six percent in these polls. So all the Democrats hopes to shift away from their garbage performance and toward things like gun control and abortion and January 6th, it's not going to avail them in the least. And so pretty clearly from this poll, nobody actually wants Joe Biden to be president of the United States. And that's kind of the takeaway here. But I'll tell you what you do want. You want clothing that fits you properly. And that's particularly true when it comes to T-shirts. This is why I love Cuts Clothing. Cuts Clothing has spent years perfecting men's T-shirts, taking look good, feel good to a whole new level. Right out of college, Cuts founder and CEO, Stephen Borelli, he got a job in an agency with a casual dress code. In his first week, he was told his shirt was too athleisure -y. So he started looking for a presentable and stylish tee. He couldn't find anything. So he just made it himself. Let me just tell you, I got Cuts Clothing for pretty much every time of the year. In Florida, there's only one time of the year, but that means I've got lots of Cuts t-shirts. I've got the polo shirts. I've got Cuts jackets. Their stuff is just terrific. The shirts are made to last. You can ditch those fast fashion brands. Invest in Cuts. They have tons of great colors and styles. Crewnecks, Henleys, long sleeves. There is something for everyone. I love wearing my Cuts shirts, which is why I pretty much wear them every day. Refresh your wardrobe in time for summer with Cuts. See for yourself why Cuts is one of the fastest growing men's brands with over a million shirts sold. Get 15% off your first order. Go to cutsclothing.com slash Ben. That's C-U-T-S clothing.com slash Ben. I took all of my old t-shirts and I kind of tossed them because Cuts is just that much better. Cutsclothing.com slash Ben for 15% off your first order. The reality is some of this is Joe Biden's fault. He's a terrible president. 
His economic policies have led to vast inflation we have not seen in 40 years. His surrender in Afghanistan led to the subjugation of some 38 million human beings. It led to the death of tens of thousands of American allies. It led to the death of 13 American service members and Americans left behind overseas. Joe Biden's foreign policy in Ukraine allowed for Vladimir Putin's original invasion to occur. And now a protracted war without any sort of end in sight, while Joe Biden blames that war for the economic headwinds that the United States is currently uh, currently facing. Joe Biden's domestic policy is focused in on radical left-wing priorities, thrusting equity as the central goal of each of his departmental agendas, suggesting that it's important that we trans the kids in every state, according to Xavier Becerra over at HHS, pushing federal abortion access. These are the things Joe Biden has decided to do. And that's all Joe Biden's fault. But there's one big thing that is Joe Biden's fault. And that is when he came into office, what he could have done is he could have said, listen, our system is built for gridlock, which is true. The United States Constitution is built for gridlock. Our system is built for the federal government to do fewer things. And what that means is I want to provide a sense of solidity and stability. Any change I make is going to be incremental change. It wouldn't have been change that I liked, but it is change that, that Joe Biden's people would like. And if he had done it incrementally, most people probably would have not and gone along with it. And the infrastructure bill wasn't going to kill Joe Biden. Joe, all Joe Biden had to do was come in and say, listen, we need to recapitulate. We need to rethink what it is that the job of the presidency is for. But here is the problem in American politics overall. And it's why so many people are dissatisfied with their own parties. Each of the parties and the leaders of those parties lie to their voters. They say to them, if you elect me president, I will provide to you world-breaking change. And what this does is two things. One, it means that they are now beholden to the most radical members of their base who will never be satisfied with anything they do, which is what Joe Biden is learning from his progressive base. And two, it is betraying the voters who just wanted a return to normalcy. That was Joe Biden's entire campaign, was Donald Trump's crazy guy with his tweets and everything. And I'm going to sit here in the basement. And if you're like me, I'll still be in the basement. And I won't bother you. And I'll leave you alone. That was basically Joe Biden's pitch. And he abandoned that pitch. So he abandoned his own moderate voters. And there's nothing he can do that's going to satisfy his progressive base who believes that there should be a dictator who simply leverages down, brings from on high, like Moses on the Mount, progressive policies and just implants them into law. So Joe Biden is bound to fail. And it turns out, of course, that his policies, the ones that he has pursued, are really, really negative and really, really bad. Now, here's the thing. There is a glimmer of good news for Biden. The survey, the same survey showing him with a 33% approval rating, shows him with a narrow edge in a hypothetical rematch with Donald Trump. 44% to 41%, right? Which is, Joe Biden has said before, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. When Democrats are forced to choose between Biden and Trump, they choose Biden, 92% of them. There are, there are a lot of people who are upset with Biden, in other words, who are not up for a Joe Biden rematch, for example. However, the bottom line here is that when it comes to the 2022 elections, this is a disaster for Democrats because the 2022 elections ain't no Donald Trump on the ballot which is why Politico is noting that the House GOP is marching into deeper blue terrain as Democratic prospects fail. Representative Kim Schreier called in an honor to welcome Joe Biden to suburban Seattle for a health care speech in April. Then, three months later, the Washington Democrat used a TV ad to boast about taking on the Biden administration over gas prices. This kind of pivot in a House battleground, which Biden won by seven points two years ago, isn't an anomaly. Recent GOP polling in roughly a dozen swing districts offers a bleak portrait of how Joe Biden's anemic approval ratings are threatening to doom battle-tested swing seat incumbents and nudge one safe districts into the middle of the danger zone. Listen, seven points is a broad enough gap. The Democrats shouldn't have to worry about that, but they do have to worry about that. Basically, anything inside of a 10-point gap is something Democrats have to worry about. With just four months until the midterms, Democrats were already on the defensive in at least 30 highly competitive districts. 
But Biden's toxicity has given the GOP optimism about seriously contesting a fresh crop of about a dozen more seats. The president won in 2020 by nine points or more from Western Rhode Island to California's Central Valley to the suburbs of Arizona's capital. The result is a house map that has expanded to an uncomfortable place for Democrats. They're going to lose the house. And there's, there's almost no shot that Democrats do not lose the house in the upcoming election. The only question is going to be the Senate where Republicans have run a series of weak and questionable candidates in battleground states ranging from Georgia to Pennsylvania. It's going to be a real problem for them. Survey data obtained by Politico shows the president underwater by double-digit margins in 11 districts he carried. One stark example, his approval rating was upside down by 32 points in a June poll of Representative Susan Wilde's seat from the National Republican Congressional Committee. That's in Pennsylvania. This means that Democrats are cruising for a massive bruising. It means that you could see the Republicans win upward. I've said, I think that the over-under here is about 35 seats for Republicans to win, given the prevailing headwinds here. And again, this is because Joe Biden is really bad at this. For all the reasons stated, and also the fact that he's really bad at this. He has no personal charisma. He has no personal draw. He, he seems like he's befuddled all the time. They hit him in the basement. They hit him from the public. And then it turns out as president, you actually can't hide. And this is why you end up with the bizarre specter of an adult 80-year-old man who is now wearing helmets during interviews and making jokes about how he has to wear helmets because interviews are too tough for him. Some of the groups want, I look like a fool here in this interview. But... <laughs> I put a helmet on because it was a tough interview. <laughs> um, but all kidding aside, I think that, uh, um... man, when things go poorly for you, they really go poorly for you. Listen, things are tough for Joe, which is why he needs better help. Well, if you need better help at your company, you need a zip recruiter. You need employees like Ashley. Right? Ashley makes sure that all the clips play the way they are supposed to on the show, which is why the show runs smoothly. As smooth as a baby's bottom, this show. Let me just tell you, ZipRecruiter makes that sort of stuff happen for us here at Daily Wire. You know, outstanding talent is crucial for a successful business. If you're hiring, you can find talent for roles like these and more at ZipRecruiter when you try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that make it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1, 2022. So travel to this easy-to-remember web destination, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's where you can try ZipRecruiter for free and get excellent employees like Ashley, who's capable of playing clips all the way from Nashville. That's how good she is. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So Joe Biden gave an event yesterday in which he was bragging about his massive gun control policy. Now, here's the reality. The gun control bill that he just signed into law is relatively minor. I know that the media are trying to pump this up as a great and vast accomplishment on gun control. It really is not. It's marginal changes around the edges of gun control on a federal level. Joe Biden is trying to pump that up so he can go back to his people and say that he did something useful. And there were some Republicans who gave him cover for that, which is dumb politics. But Joe Biden then said that this was just the first step and that he wants to ban assault weapons. Again, look at those polls. Only about 9% of Americans say that guns are a top issue for them. And that's got to be split between Republicans and Democrats because there are a lot of Republicans who are saying that you trying to take my guns is a top issue for me. So here is Joe Biden speaking at the White House yesterday. And man, when it rains, it pours, as you will see. First of all, incoherent, discombobulated, mashed potatoes in the mouth. And then he gets protested at his own event by one of his invitees. Assault weapons need to be banned. They were banned. I led the fight in 1994. 
Then under pressure from the NRA and the gun manufacturers and others, that ban was lifted in 2004. In that 10 years, it was law, mass shootings went down. When the law expired in 2004, and those weapons were allowed to be sold again, mass shootings tripled. They're the facts. I'm determined to ban these weapons again, and high-capacity magazines that hold 30 rounds, and that let mass shooters fire hundreds of bullets in a matter of minutes. I'm not going to stop until we do it. He's not going to stop until they ban assault weapons. See, here's the thing about when we pull clips for this show. It's a little peek behind the scenes on how we pull clips for the show. So I go through all of various clips. I find the things I think we ought to pull. Sometimes I will label to my producers, this is an example of Joe Biden just being a mush mouth. And this is an example of Joe Biden and sound coming out of his face hole. Right? That, that he's just being incoherent. In this particular clip, the one that I just played, that was supposed to be Joe Biden explaining his proposal to ban assault weapons. And yet every clip of Joe Biden is now a clip of him speaking in tongues. It is now a clip of him just being, I didn't a ban assault weapons in 1994 and then the shooting went down and it's because shooting down in 2004 and I'm determined. Come on. It's like, this was not supposed to be a clip of him being incoherent. This was supposed to be a clip of him being coherent. There are no more clips of Joe Biden being coherent. They do not exist. <laughs> they are gone. And beyond the fact that what he's saying here is not true, that there is no evidence that his the quote-unquote assault weapons ban resulted in a lower number of shootings in the United States. And gun violence did not decline as a result of the assault weapons ban. There is no evidence to that fact. Despite that, put that aside, Joe Biden, he can't even please his own base because, again, he is not capable of, of the property of speech. Now, the fact that Joe Biden is actually not capable of the property of speech is one of the reasons why Democrats, Democrats are focusing in on that. They don't want to focus in on the fact that these policies are actually really unpopular. Most Americans are not in favor of a widespread assault weapons ban, quote unquote assault weapons ban. They're not. Most Americans are not in favor of abortion tents on federal lands. Most Americans are not in favor of HHS cramming down transgender surgeries on 14 year olds. This is, like, none of this is stuff that the American people like. The left likes it, though. So their excuse is Joe Biden is just not charismatic enough. He's a mushmouth and all. But both, two things can be true at once. One, he is a mushmouth who is uncharismatic, who looks like he is at least half dead. He's not just half dead. He's like 77% dead. He's mostly dead, in the words of the Princess Bride. And the prospects of him coming more alive, like Wesley did, are very, very low. And um, that is combined with the fact that his policies are wildly unpopular. So Joe Biden invites a bunch of people to the White House for this historic signing of this gun control bill. And he proceeds to be yelled at by a person he invited to the event. I've never heard of anything like this. Here is Joe Biden. Today's many things is proof that despite the naysayers, we can make meaningful progress on dealing with gun violence. Because make no mistake, sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. If you think you... Let him talk. Let him talk. No one. Okay. He's getting protested by a Parkland parent who's asking Joe Biden to do more. He invited that guy. That's how badly things are going for Joe Biden. You invite people to your celebratory event. And they start protesting you at your celebratory event. Meanwhile, on the economy, things continue to tank. So the stock market is sort of on tenterhooks waiting for all of the earnings reports right now. And those earnings reports are likely to not be particularly good. As the Wall Street Journal points out, stock futures and bond yields are falling on global growth concerns right now. We're probably going to look at another stock market correction, given the fact that when the earnings reports come in, you're going to see the prices on stocks 
come down. And yet Joe Biden's top economic advisors are talking about how things are great. Everything is going to be fine. So here's Joe Biden's top economic advisor saying, you know, gas prices have declined. Everything's fine now, says Jared Bernstein. Let's talk about energy, okay? The gas price is down uh, 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 more than 30 cents off of its peak. Now, uh, some of that has to do with initiatives that this White House has taken, the president's right. behest, including measures to increase the supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, so uh, I think if you actually look at what the president has done, uh, keep your head down, uh, that's, that's our assignment and that's what we're trying to do. That dude is the Baghdad Bob of economics. Remember Baghdad Bob? He was the advisor to uh, Saddam Hussein. And as the bombs were falling in the background, he's like, we're winning this war. Everything's great. Jared Bernstein, the Baghdad Bob of Joe Biden's White House. Well, this led even CNBC host Joe Kernan to say to Jared Bernstein, uh, you keep talking about how things are going great. Why are you at 33 percent in the approval ratings? The Putin price hike is very much in the mix, and that remains a strong constraint weighing on both the real economy and the markets. You guys got a patent that trade market, that Putin price hike that uh, you guys all use it again and again and again. And, you know, well, it's we're, real. You're, yeah, you had 33 percent um, approval at this point, Jared. So I, I don't know. Now, it, what's unbelievable about the Putin price hike line, by the way, is that it totally undercuts his foreign policy. If it's Putin's price hike, then you have to come up with a solution to that. And it can't be endless war in Ukraine. It can't be. While you maintain your crap energy policy, one of two things has to break. The war in Ukraine or your energy policy, right? If something's going to change, something has to change. And if you say our plan is to keep the war in Ukraine going without any endpoint, and also that war is responsible for our high gas prices, and also I'm not going to pump more oil, where does that leave you? Well, the answer is where it leaves you is Joe Biden traveling to Saudi Arabia to beg the Saudis to, to pump more oil. But then this leaves... Democrats in the unenviable position of having to explain why they've spent the past couple of years ripping on the Saudis for the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. And now you got Joe Biden going on bended knee to the Saudi monarchy. Here is Jake Sullivan, who is just a terribly corrupt human being, the national security advisor, suggesting that, um, you know, it's fine to visit Saudi Arabia, a reporter, meanwhile, holding him to his own standard. During the campaign, the president said Saudi should pay a price. He referred to them as making them a pariah state. When it comes right down to it, isn't this trip proof that strategic interests, including oil and gas, when it comes right down to it, are always going to override something like human rights? America's values, human rights, are a strategic interest of the United States. So is energy security. So is stopping terrorism. So is seeking peace in a place like Yemen. So we are trying to do multiple things all at once, advance along a number of different tracks. Well, unfortunately, they're doing a crappy job on nearly all of them. Meanwhile, what, what this leaves the Biden administration doing is promoting radical policy as a solution to their flagging hopes. And maybe if we please the progressive base, they'll get out for us, which is why they're sending out people like Xavier Becerra and Pete Buttigieg to be really militants on TV. So Xavier Becerra, the head of HHS, for no apparent reason, he was like the attorney general of California. And they're like, well, that guy's vast health experience will make him an excellent HHS secretary. Here's Xavier Becerra explaining maybe they'll declare a public health emergency over abortion. The president instructed us at HHS and me specifically to look for everything we could try to do. And that's what we're doing. And the public health emergency is one of those proposals, options that's there. We're taking a look. We want to do everything we can. But again, it is tough to undo a Supreme Court decision that unraveled, stripped away 50 years of protections for Americans in this country for health care. So we're going to do everything we can. We'll look at every option. We'll try to make sure that we can move. We don't want to get stuck in court, but we are planning to move. We're, we're going to do stuff, but we don't know what it is, but we're going to do stuff, but that's what we're going to do. Things are going great. 
Democrats pledge to the radicals that they are going to do their bidding. That has some pretty significant consequences for your Second Amendment rights, which is why you should join up with USCCA. And you've seen the stories of the good guy who uses his gun to protect his family, and then he's the one who gets arrested. Now more than ever, we need to be fully prepared to protect ourselves and our loved ones. The fact is, most people are not. You have to be prepared for the mental, physical, legal ramifications of self-defense. It's not just enough to own a gun. You have to know how to use it, and you have to know when to use it, and you have to have the legal help if, God forbid, you have to use it. That's why I'm proud to have the U.S. Concealed Carry Association as a partner with this show. Right now, they're giving away this free concealed carry and family defense guide and a chance to win a thousand bucks to buy a gun to protect yourself and your family 100% free. You can get it when you text Ben to 87222. It's a 58-page guide loaded with valuable information. In the guide, you're going to learn how to detect attackers before they see you, what the USCCA has learned about school shootings, equipment and training basics, about the law and justice systems, how to responsibly own and store a gun, particularly if you have little kids, and a whole lot more. I count on the USCCA. You should too. Text Ben to 87222. You'll get instant access and a chance to win a thousand bucks so you can buy a gun to protect your family. Text Ben to 87222 right now with your Second Amendment rights under attack. Joining USCCA is just a smart move. Text Ben to 87222 right now. How well are things going? Things are going so well that even Snoop Dogg is now trolling Joe Biden. He's bringing out a new brand of marijuana. I'm not kidding. It's a new brand of marijuana called Sleepy Joe Cannabis. <laughs> um, so here is uh, Snoop Dogg announcing his new product line. It is a picture of Joe Biden being elevated up one of those stair machines. He's sitting on the chair and it's going up to, to the White House. And then the actual ad that, that was put out by Snoop Dogg with the slogan here is, is pretty wonderful. Sleepy Joe, OG, where am I? Question mark, question mark, question mark. You won't even remember what country you are in. <laughs> Man, when Snoop Dogg is just trolling the living hell out of you, things are, things, as a Democrat, Things are going amazing. Well, the good news is, if there's one group of people who can really save Joe Biden from himself, it's his family. Right? His family is massively popular. After all, his wife is one of the great doctors in American history. When you look at the history of American medicine, you've got people like Jonas Salk, Dr. Jonas Salk, amazing, amazing doctor. You have, you know, in, in different fields, in physics, Albert Einstein. And then you have Dr. Jill Biden, who is just incredible at her job. She is succinct, a wonderful speaker an advocate for community college funding, uh, a person of great intellectual sterling merit. I mean, a person who is like the best doctor who has ever doctored. I mean, sure, if you actually have a heart attack or anything, she can't do anything for you. But she is a doctor. And if you call her not doctor, this means you are a sexist. Also, she is extraordinarily fluid. She's an excellent, attractive speaker. Um, so she spoke at the, quote, Latinx inclusion luncheon in San Antonio on Monday. I pronounce it that way because that is how it's spelled. It is spelled L-A-T-I-N-X, Latinx, Latinx, Inclu-Xion, I-N-C-L-U, capital X, I-O-N, luncheon in San Antonio, because there is nothing Latinos love more than the Latinx crap. They love it. They love it. Now, the number of Latinos who love it is less than zero. There are Latinos who have not yet been born who hate this because it's the dumbest crap ever proposed by the gender-neutral left. It is the height of linguistic stupidity to substitute X at the end of languages that have gender specificity. It's the stupidest nonsense in the entire world. She was supposed to give a speech. It didn't go amazing. There were some problems. <laughs> so, um, so here's how it went. So Joe Biden was speaking 
And she made two boo-boos in the course of about 15 seconds here. But don't worry. She's a doctor, guys. Stop making fun of Joe Biden. In fact, if you're a, if you're a three-star general and you make fun of Dr. Joe Biden's degree, then we will fire you from your position as mentor in the United States Army. That's the thing that actually happened over the course of the last week. That's how important Joe Biden is to the national soul. I mean, sure, she kind of is important because she's Edith Wilson at this point. And behind closed doors, she's like grabbing Joe's hand. Right? He, he has to sign documents and Joe Biden's hand comes in and grabs his hand and like, Joe Biden. She may be running the country at this point. If she is, that would explain some things. So here is Dr. Jill Biden, medical degree from a Cracker Jack box, explaining the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, <laughs> is your strength. Got some problems there. First of all, what are Bogotas? I mean, are, are, are we talking about like the capitals of foreign countries or are we talking about bodegas? What are we talking about there, Dr. Jill? Um, second, it seems weird to describe Hispanics as breakfast tacos. I, I don't know about you. Seems weird to me. She's like one of those cartoon characters where they're stuck out in the desert and after and they're starving. And then after a while, they see another person who's standing next to them, right? They've been traveling with another person and they're starving. So when they look over, suddenly as a mirage, they turn to like a giant hamburger. Is that how Joe Biden sees people or her speechwriter? Is that how she sees people? It's like a Hispanic, per like Savvy, who is Hispanic, our producer. Like, would Joe Biden see Savvy and suddenly Savvy would just be a giant breakfast taco? Is that how that would work? I'm also looking forward to all of Joe Biden's other stereotypical food comments. It's going to be great. Like, she's going to meet with the Jewish group. And she's going to be like, you are as unique as a giant matzo ball. Like, are you saying I'm fat? No, no. Unique as a giant matzo ball. She's going to go to like the Asian American group. And be like, you all remind me of the vast panoply. You're like a Chinese menu. You're like an egg roll of a human. It, what? And don't even, man, she better, she better never go to like a historically black college. Things can get super awkward, super fast if she starts going with the stereotypical foods. So um, it's rare that you get a statement from the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. Here is the statement responding to Jill Biden calling Latinos breakfast tacos. <laughs> By the way, remember that time there was an entire horrible news cycle about how Donald Trump was a giant racist because on Cinco de Mayo, he's like, I love tacos. And there was like a, a giant tostada in front of him. He's like, tostada bowl at Trump restaurant. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's so racist. Which it, it's not really racist. It's more stereotypical. Like typically, first of all, can I just say this generally? It's actually not racist when, when she says that. It's just stupid and ridiculous and stereotypical, but not racist because, I mean, she's not saying that breakfast tacos are bad or that Latinos are bad or that they're lesser or something. We, we've gotten a little too sensitive about this sort of stuff, to be honest with you. Like it wasn't, racist when, when Donald Trump was like, I love tostadas on Cinco de Mayo. And it's not really racist when she says that you're as unique as a breakfast taco. It's just really dumb and stereotypical. So we, we should make that distinction, to be fair. But it does lead to hilarious situations like this. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists put out this statement. You ready? Here we go. Using breakfast tacos to try to demonstrate the uniqueness of Latinos in San Antonio. <laughs> 
<laughs> demonstrates a lack of cultural knowledge and sensitivity to the diversity of Latinos in the region. NAHJ encourages Dr. Biden, the greatest doctor, and her speechwriting team to take the time in the future to better understand the complexities of our people and communities. We are not tacos. Our heritage as Latinos is shaped by a variety of diasporas, cultures, and food traditions and should not be reduced to a stereotype. So first of all, I love that they're like, if you have to say to a politician, we are not tacos, things are going great. We are not tacos, man. I, I, Savvy, I'm getting you that t-shirt. I am not your taco. I like that. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, so Joe Biden, do it. When, when you, again, when you make a gaffe and calling bodegas bogotas is the second worst thing in the gaffe, that's it. That's a bad day. Meanwhile, the good news is that the smartest person Joe Biden knows, Hunter Biden, is um, how many laptops can you leave behind as a crack-addled moron before people start to think you're not the smartest person that they know? Supposedly, Hunter Biden has left behind like three different laptops loaded with videos of him smoking crack and screwing prostitutes like all over the place. He, he leaves those laptops lying around in different places like his unclaimed children from hookers. It's an amazing thing, Joe Biden's son. So um, according to Daily Dot, a user on 4chan claims to have hacked into the iCloud of Hunter Biden's latest iPhone, sending the site into a tizzy as users trawled through the data. In the post, the user said they gained access to voicemails, videos, voice recordings of pictures, etc. of Joe. They also said they'd compromised an iPad belonging to him as well. In the thread, the user also linked to a list of passwords supposedly used by Hunter. This iPhone release is apparently different from the data on Hunter's laptop. As they scoured the data, 4chan users thought they uncovered President Biden's number, which they claim Hunter had had him listed as Pedo Pete, which would be real awkward and weird. There's no proof to back that up so far, but Biden did allegedly go by Peter Henderson in contact with his son. According to one unverified claim, 4chan users were sending the phone number allegedly belonging to President Biden memes. The White House did not immediately respond to a request for comment. They're saying it's unclear if the data released is real, but um, apparently some of it's real because there's videos of Hunter Biden weighing his crack. Now, I, I, I know they call us the, the iPhone generation. He's not part of the iPhone generation, by the way. I mean, how old is Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden is not part of, he, he's not a millennial. He's not part of like Gen Z. Hunter Biden is 52 years old, man. That used to be the age where I, I thought you were supposed to be like almost a grandpa at 52 years old. I, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Hunter Biden. Here's a video of the smartest man Joe Biden knows weighing his crack on video. Here I am being a genius and filming myself committing a federal crime. <laughs> By the way, there's a lot of crack. I mean, I'm, I'm no crack aficionado, ladies and gentlemen, but that does not look like a small amount of crack. Here is a Hunter Biden. He's got like a cigarette in his mouth in his typical Hunter Biden pose. Cool guy, Hunter Biden, weighing his crack. Things are going great. It's 2.06. 2.07. That's... Without the bag. 21 grams of crack. That seems like a lot of crack. So that's good. Also, there have been accusations now that, that Hunter Biden is under investigation for violating federal prostitution laws. He's lied on his gun licenses in which he said that he hadn't taken drugs and all the rest of this. According to the UK Daily Mail, Hunter Biden spent $30,000 on prostitutes in five months. Well, which 
That's not wonderful. Documents, texts, and videos obtained by the Daily Mail show Hunter Biden spent a staggering $30,000 on escorts in a five-month period. By the way, he was at the White House literally two days ago. Hunter wrote checks to a Ukrainian woman named Ekaterina Moreva, who was named in red flag reports by banks for suspicious activity, documents reveal. J.P. Morgan chased flag transactions involving Moreva after she received tens of thousands of dollars from Hunter's company. Photos from Hunter's iPhone show he wrote checks disguised as medical services to prostitutes supplied by Moreva whose website offers a girlfriend experience and videos and pictures show Hunter helped transport those women from Boston to New York, which is crossing state lines with prostitutes, which is a federal offense. And then he took pictures with all the prostitutes and they made sex tapes of their night of, of fun. So that's wonderful. We don't know who the prostitutes are. We don't even know if they are over age. So just sounds like a lot of good things happening here involving Hunter Biden. That dude probably is having some financial issues, you know, picking up sacks of cash in Ukraine and spending on prostitutes and, and all of that. Well, he's not the only person right now in dire financial straits or in need of a little bit of help, which is why you should check out my friends over at American Financing. The cost of everything is going up from gas to groceries, vacations, even credit card fees are going up. It's time to do something about it. If you're a homeowner, your equity is up 20% since last year. That equity can be accessed as cash for the things you need. You've just got to call American Financing, get that free mortgage review I've been telling you about. They're going to look at your entire financial picture from your home loans, your equity, even your high interest debt. They'll review all of it and they'll do everything they can to help save you up to a thousand bucks a month, plus tens of thousands of bucks long term. Think of the difference that can make, then pick up the phone and learn more. If you start soon, it could skip two payments. You might close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 1823343, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. The simple fact is you got to look at your entire financial picture and that might mean restructuring some debt. This is why you should talk to my friends over at American Financing. Again, it's 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300 or visit them at AmericanFinancing.net. Folks, every day the universe is expanding, both the literal outer space and also Daily Wire Plus, our multimedia universe. As the world's first non-woke streaming service, Daily Wire Plus is everything you love about the Daily Wire, plus so much more. As a member, you get exclusive access to new shows and features from the great Jordan Peterson, plus the entire PragerU library, plus animated and live-action kids content coming soon, plus original movies and documentaries. Now, with all that great content in one place, you're probably saying to yourself, Ben, after I finish your show, what should I watch next? Well, I have a few favorite shows in particular I can recommend. Other than being highly entertaining and enlightening, they have no obvious common denominator. Those shows are debunked, Sunday special, The Search, My Book Club. See if you can spot the common factor there. You can watch all of those and then some by going to dailywireplus.com or download and open that Daily Wire app. If you aren't yet a member, you can get 35% off when you sign up right now, which is a great deal. It's time to build the future you want to see. Become a member at dailywireplus.com today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Well, the good news for the Democrats is that they have this amazing slate of candidates to back up Joe Biden should things go south, should they decide that Joe Biden has had it, that there ain't much happening upstairs, that he's really unpopular anyway, and it's time for some fresh blood. But can, can we just note how old that guy is? I mean, I, I know, I know. But put it in perspective, Joe Biden will be 82 if he runs for re-election, which means he would be 86 years old by the time he finished his second term. 86 years old. That's nuts. I mean, that, that, that's truly insane. We need a younger set of candidates. By the way, this happens to be true on the right as well. I know there are a lot of folks out there who love Donald Trump. Let me just tell you, Donald Trump right now, he he will be aged 79 if he runs for president again. 
Can we have non-octogenarians run for president like at any point? In the Democratic Party, the answer is no. And the reason the answer is no is because their bench, it, it, it looks like a Little League second slate bench. I mean, it, it doesn't even look like the kids who have played occasionally some baseball. It looks like the kids who have never played baseball and we got to get them in the game a little bit just so that their parents are not super unhappy with you. That looks like the Democrats second slate here. So you've got VP Kamala Harris, the most untalented politician of her generation, bar none, an intersectional candidate par excellence, whose only criteria for being vice president of the United States is that she was a black woman because it clearly ain't talent. Here as an example, you can pick any random clip of Kamala Harris, just like any random clip of Joe Biden now sounds as though the man has hit his head. Every clip of Kamala Harris is just a clip of her being awkward because there are no clips of her not being awkward because she's the most awkward human being. She's, she's Michael Scott of politics without any of the charm or redeeming character qualities. Here's Kamala Harris yesterday talking about Joe Biden's vision. She says, we wouldn't be here celebrating gun control without Joe Biden's vision. Well, that's, I mean, Joe Biden can hardly see because of the cataracts, but here's Kamala Harris. In the face of so much pessimism, you passed a bipartisan law. You worked across the aisle. And the product of that work will make our communities safer. But as all of us know, gathered here today, we would not be here were it not for the vision, the courage, the unwavering determination of one particular individual, Joe Biden. Oh, the simpering, the, 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 the horrible Small smile, the nodding. Oh, she, oh, she's so bad at this. So you can have her, guys. You want Kamala? All you, go for it. Or maybe it'll be Pete Buttigieg. So everybody on the left was celebrating Pete Buttigieg going on Fox News and saying it's okay to harass people at restaurants now if you disagree with them, which I feel like is going to work out real badly for the Secretary of Transportation who has done zero things to alleviate the massive supply chain crisis that we have seen here in the United States. You know, he is one of the most smarmy, irritating politicians in America right now. Pete Buttigieg. And not only that, he happens to be a bureaucratic tyrant. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Federal Highway Administration, which is under the auspices of the Secretary of Transportation, wants to take abuse of authority on the road. It cites an obscure provision in federal law that authorizes it to set national performance goals for the national highway system. The law defines these goals as safety, infrastructure condition, congestion reduction, system reliability, freight movement, and economic vitality environmental sustainability and reduced project delivery delays. FHWA says this environmental sustainability language allows it to now regulate carbon emissions. This is what Buttigieg says. He now wants to use federal regulations governing how the highways are built in order to regulate cars on their carbon emissions in the middle of an energy crisis. It's not clear how states would even comply with the rules being proposed by Buttigieg. The FHWA claims states will have flexibility in setting CO2 reduction targets. In the same breath, declares they must align with the administration's goals to reduce emissions. The proposed rule says states will be required to establish declining targets for reductions in tailpipe carbon emissions on the national highway system. Even progressives have to doubt that Buttigieg has the power he's claiming. Buttigieg is running roughshod over the Constitution's separation of power. Like, what about Pete Buttigieg makes him such a wonderful, attractive candidate? Again, he got skunked by Joe Biden in these primaries. And if one of the major problems for the Democratic Party is that no one in the Democratic Party can replicate Barack Obama's numbers with black voters, you think Pete Buttigieg is going to do that? Is that which way you're going here? Okay, so maybe Gavin Newsom, right? So the thing about Gavin Newsom too, I mean, he'd be great. There's only one problem. Gavin Newsom is a genderless, androgynous Ken doll of a human. 
He's done a horrible job in California. California has one of the worst unemployment rates in the country. It's had the slowest recovery in America, pretty much. It, it is still talking about locking down. They're still talking about new masking rules in L.A., given the BA5 variant of coronavirus, despite the fact that coronavirus is basically killing no one at this point in the United States. The, the number of Americans who died yesterday of COVID is something like 350. There was a point in this country where it was like 4,000 people a day. Meanwhile, Gavin Newsom is jet-setting off to places where no one else is supposed to travel because they're supposedly anti-gay and terrible. Governor Newsom, according to the New York Post, hates Montana's supposedly anti-LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign exclamation point ampersand laws so much. He's banned all state-funded travel there, but not so much to shun the red state himself. He just traveled there for vacation. Of course, this particular double standard, my security detail and I can visit Montana, but other state workers can't, isn't Newsom's first. He feasted in a Michelin star restaurant during the pandemic, matchless, maskless, of course, while banning indoor dining for everyone else. He enrolled his kids in private in-person school while the public schools had to remain shut. And Newsom ain't going to be it. And now they're thinking about J.B. Pritzker. And J.B., again, Pritzker's Illinois. Is that how you want America to be governed? If you have a choice between California and Florida or California and, and Illinois and Florida, the answer is going to be Florida, is it not? There is a reason why the patter of feet is from Illinois to Florida, from California to Florida. Gavin Newsom ran an ad in Florida telling people to come back. Uh, no, no chance of that. Try again, sucker. Got out while the getting is good. I've been urging people to leave ever since. And so this has left the media with the unenviable task of trying to figure out how to jog the Democratic base into excitement. And so they're just making things up now. So the New York Times has a piece titled, States with Abortion Bans Risk Losing Their Economic Edge. So the idea is that even though the states that have been holding up the economic growth of the United States, namely the southern states, the red states, which reopened earlier and kept people at work longer and didn't kill all of their small businesses, even though those states are the highest growth states in America, now, according to the New York Times, the, the, the states that, that really are going to be the economic boom towns are the states that allow abortion on demand. The New York Times' Alexander Burns, it says, as a group of conservative states enacted severe abortion restrictions last year, Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois sent letters to a handful of corporate executives with close ties to Texas. Pritzker, a Democrat, urged executives to rethink basing their companies in a state that strips its residents of their dignity. Most workers, he wrote, did not want to live under a rigid abortion ban. There was no immediate response to his overture. Companies thriving in Texas's freewheeling business environment were not about to flee because of legally contested abortion regulations that were not certain to be enforced. Ten months later, the political and legal landscape is radically different. As a, and a Supreme Court decision that abolished the right to abortion is now threatening to reshape the lines of economic competition between conservative and liberal states. Some of the country's biggest businesses like J.P. Morgan Chase, AT&T, and Walt Disney have already announced they would take steps to help employees who need abortion access but can't obtain it in their home states. There have not yet been major announcements about companies canceling expansions or relocating offices out of jurisdictions where abortion is now banned. Yeah, because it ain't going to happen. Because those businesses are not going to bankrupt themselves because the New York Times wants them to, to promote abortion law. That's not going to happen. And again, the entire Democratic case right now is based on, there has to be a backlash, right? There has to be a pro, pro-choice backlash. It has to be about guns. It has to be about saving democracy. It has to be about, no. Nope, you guys are in trouble. No matter how much you protest, you guys are in trouble because you've done a crappy job on the governance and your policies are bad and you have no candidates who are capable of speaking directly to the American people. You're in a world of hurt. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, things have gotten interesting as well. So there's some new polls out with regard to President Trump and the Republican base. So they're, they're, the Republicans actually do have a pretty deep bench. Right now, there's a poll out 
from New York Times Siena College poll. And this is the same poll, by the way, that shows that Biden beats Trump 44-41. And what this poll shows is about half of the party's primary voters are seeking someone different for president in 2024. Now, as I've suggested, this has less to do with things like January 6th or Trump's presidency than it has to do with the fact that Trump seems singularly obsessed with the election of 2020, while the rest of America, including Republicans, are worried about Joe Biden wrecking the country. Donald Trump is distracted. His focus is not on the things that Americans care about. And that means that more and more Americans, more Republicans are like, this guy has a lot of baggage and he's spending a lot of time focusing on things that we do not care about. We want inflation down. We want Joe Biden out of office. We're not interested in running an election based on your grievances about the election, even if we believe that the grievances about the, I mean, I'm hearing this from people who are significantly warmer to the election stolen 2020 narrative than I am. Those people are like, even if I think that, Donald Trump's grievance-obsessed campaign that he's running right now is not going to benefit him, and it's not going to benefit Republicans. Trump appears to have deepened fault lines among Republicans during his year-long revenge tour, a clear majority of primary voters under 35, 64%, as well as 65% of those with at least a college degree, told pollsters they would vote against Trump in a presidential primary. He's still leading in a hypothetical matchup against five other potential Republican presidential rivals. 49% of primary voters said they would support him for a third nomination. But Governor Ron DeSantis is now running at 25%. He's the only other candidate with double-digit support, which means that as that support consolidates, all the other candidates, you know, the Ted Cruz's, the Marco Rubio's, the Mike Pence's, you think those people are going to shift over to Trump's camp? Very unlikely. So if that means that Trump actually has a ceiling around half of Republican voters in a primary, that's actually going to be real bad. And, and remember, it is very early right now. And the reason, again, that this is happening for Trump is because instead of spending the last couple of years talking about how if he were still president, none of this stuff would be happening. And this is why Joe Biden needs to leave office. Instead, he spent the last couple of years suggesting that various political enemies of his inside the Republican Party somehow jobbed him out of the presidency in 2020. That is a distraction. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is down here in Florida actually doing the things that people care about. Right? Ron DeSantis signed a, an Election Integrity Act in April of 2022, which bans, for example, ballot harvesting here in the state. Right? It, it, is a, it is a proposal that cracks down on the possibility of voter fraud in the state. And meanwhile, he's fighting the battle against people like Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom is trying to run ads down here in Florida claiming that, that, he, that people should go back, that California's the land of freedom, which um, I live there and the answer is no, not even close. Here's Ron DeSantis talking about Gavin Newsom. I was born and raised in this state, and until the last few years, I rarely, if ever, saw a California license plate in the state of Florida. You now see a lot of them. I can tell you, if you go to California, you ain't seeing very many Florida license plates. I mean, that happens to be the case. Again, this is not about Republican dislike of Trump. This is about people thinking that Trump is distractible and distracted. The Wall Street Journal has an entire article about this titled Wisconsin County that heavily backed Trump has a lot of DeSantis fans. Former President Trump remains hugely popular here in Washington County, where he won his largest vote share in 2020 among Wisconsin counties that recorded at least 25,000 ballots. But interviews with more than two dozen of the county's GOP voters suggest an openness to someone other than Trump for the 2024 presidential nominee. Many are quick to mention Ron DeSantis. The former president has suggested for months that he is seriously contemplating a third White House campaign that has not stopped other Republicans like Mike Pence or Tom Cotton from laying the groundwork for their own potential 2024 bids. DeSantis hasn't said that he would forswear a campaign at this point. This is political theater, said Randy Marquardt, chair of the local Republican Party, about January 6th. But the lack of interest among Washington County Republicans comes even after the committee revealed last month 
that the chief of staff to Senator Ron, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin tried to deliver to then Vice President Pence a slate of fake electors backing Mr. Trump, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the bottom line. David St. Peter, 62-year-old printing industry salesman. I like Trump's policies, not some of the extracurriculars. I'd love to see DeSantis run. Angela Boosing, a 50-year-old information tech manager who voted twice for Trump, said she'd like a GOP nominee with a quote-unquote better moral compass. A lot of people I know are against him. They can't get past his demeanor and past actions. I think there are better Republican candidates out there. A local party chairman described the Florida governor as a guy who's willing to fight the battles and maybe even stating more eloquently the reasons behind them than Trump did. Now, again, this doesn't mean that, that people oppose Trump inside the Republican Party or if Trump is the nominee, they won't vote for him. What it does mean is that Trump's distractibility has really cost him. And again, I think there are a lot of Americans of both parties who are looking at the possibility of a Biden-Trump rematch and saying, that is a lot of old people who are running for president of the United States with a lot of baggage. And if you're a Republican, as I've said before, the question that you should be asking yourself, and this is not even telling you not to vote for Trump in a primary, the question that you ought to be asking yourself right now, if you're a Republican moving forward past 2022 to 2024, is who is most likely to win against Joe Biden? Is it Trump or is it somebody else? And the way that you should be asking this question to yourself is who will the election be a referendum on? Joe Biden running against literally anyone else, it will be a referendum on Joe Biden. It can't help but be a referendum on Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a terrible president. People think he stinks. So people are going to vote based on that, which is what 2022 will be. 2022 is great evidence that when the election is a referendum on Joe Biden, he gets walloped. If, however, you run a candidate who has extraordinarily high negatives, where 100% of the public already has an opinion of Trump, there's not a single human being living in America who can vote, who does not have an opinion on Trump and hasn't had an opinion on Trump for years. That means there's no room to maneuver. There are no swing voters. The swing voters are basically gone. And how they break is anybody's guess. In 2016, it was a referendum on Hillary Clinton. That meant that people who were undecided between Hillary and Trump on the, on the election day, they broke heavily in favor of Trump, like two to one in favor of Trump. He won the election. In 2020, voters who decided late, late breakers voted for Biden. Something like two to one because it was a referendum on Trump. Normally, a presidential election is a referendum on the incumbent. The only way it's not a referendum on the incumbent is if the media or the opponent is capable of putting that person in a box. This sort of happened in 2012 when the media decided that Mitt Romney was really the great threat to the nation. Even then, people tend to remember that as a blowout election. It really was not a particularly blowout election. It was in question up until the last week of the election. When it comes to 2024, the question is, is it going to be a referendum on Trump or is it going to be a referendum on... I mean, there's a reason why Joe Biden has said he might not run again, but if Trump is running again, he wants to run again. So both parties look pretty dissatisfied with their front runners at this point. And frankly, it seems like maybe they should be. Now, this does not mean that every candidate that is being discussed on the Republican side of the aisle is somebody who should be running for president. I take as my example today, Glenn Youngkin. Very happy that Glenn Youngkin is the governor of Virginia. He also happens to be the governor of a purple state, which means he's not likely to win a lot of Republican primaries, especially not when he's going on national television and talking up same-sex marriage. The court is moving right now on several different fronts. It could move on same-sex marriage in the coming years. Will you take any steps to codify same-sex marriage in Virginia? I, I believe that what the Supreme Court has done most recently is so consistent with what we know the Constitution stands for, which is returning the rights to states to make these decisions like Roe v. Wade protecting, in fact, the right of lawmakers to make laws, not an executive branch to pass rules and regulations that overstep boundaries. This is yes what the no, Supreme though. Court has, has been so focused on. Or not. In Virginia, we, ha we actually do protect same-sex marriage in Virginia. That's the law in Virginia. And therefore, as governor of Virginia, we protect same-sex marriage. 
Okay, well, again, if that's going to be the answer on the Republican side of the aisle, that's going to provide some uh, real questions during primary season because this is still very much an open debate inside the Republican Party. Okay, but bottom line is this. The Republicans have a lot of candidates who are significantly more virile, shall we put it, than Joe Biden. The Democrats have nobody. And so this is a problem for them not looking forward, not just to 2022, but 2024. That's true for all Americans. Red, white, green, tacos, all Americans. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with additional content. In the meantime, go check out one of our newest podcasts, Morning Wire. On today's episode, they report more on the crisis in Sri Lanka. Again, the result of the radical environmental policy of Sri Lanka, which always ends poorly. That episode is available right now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, production coordinator Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. 